Thank you for that devotional, Tim. Good springboard for the message as we think about what is our responsibility before God, first of all. Well, the message this morning, and I realize there's uh, maybe a number of young people that would fit the category, a kind of age I was thinking of this morning for the message that may not be here this morning, but I think there may be someone that God has asked me to share this message for. And I think uh, a couple of weeks ago when Dwayne preached, he mentioned something about um, giving our lives to the Lord, I think, in maybe lieu of God's holiness. And thought about the fact that I don't know when I would have recently preached uh, just a message of salvation and encouraging someone who may be here that is not saved to be saved. Now, that could be someone older, could be someone younger. Sometimes there's, there are young people who are at the age that God is calling them, and they know that, and they feel that conviction in their heart, and they just kind of put it off and put it off and, and maybe not sure what they should do. Maybe there are others who are older and have never really committed their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'd like to just speak to that this morning. First of all, we are all lost without Jesus Christ as our Savior. And as a young person, you might say, well, I've not really done anything bad. I've never really hurt anybody. I've never stole anything that I know of. And so you might say, well, I'm really, I I think I'm kind of okay. I'm sure God's not too angry with me. Turn with me to the book of Romans, and we're going to look at some verses in Romans and a few other passages as well. Sometimes you've heard the saying, the Romans road, and there's kind of a number of verses in Romans that you can follow through and see the plan of salvation there. But Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and this verse in its context is, is really kind of talking about Jews and Gentiles The book of Romans, the first few chapters, set forth to show that everyone, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, who you are, you are lost outside of Jesus Christ. And then we get to verse 23 of that chapter, and it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then it goes on to talk about how we can be justified and seen as right in God's eyes, and we're not going to get into a lot of those technical things this morning, but the fact is, if you're here this morning, whether young or old, and you have sinned and come short of what God's standard is. Back in Genesis, God created man and woman and put them in the garden, and everything was beautiful, everything was wonderful, and Satan came along and tempted Eve with, as far as I know, was probably the only temptation that was there at that time. And that was because that was the one commandment that God had given them, don't eat of that tree. And Satan still comes to people and tempts them with whatever temptation is available to them. And so he came to them and tempted Eve and and Adam went along with it. And they sinned, and since then, 
there has not been one person outside of Jesus Christ who uh, lived up to God's standard of holiness. And you might say, well, what about a little child? That's Yes, well, we do believe that there is a place that God uh, understands children that are not at an age yet where they are accountable for their actions in the same way as an adult and that they are safe in God's plan. I think you can see an example of that actually in those that murmured in the wilderness and where God drew the line. He drew the line at a certain age there that those that were older were held accountable, those that were younger that were not. And I'm not saying that's where the age of accountability is this morning at 19. I don't think that's the case. I think the Holy Spirit talks to many people much younger than that. And so God in Genesis there, set out to redeem mankind back to himself. If you're here this morning and you have not accepted God's call on your life to come and follow him, he is asking you, he is calling you, he wants that, because God's goal is to redeem lost mankind back to himself. Even in the story there that Tim read regarding the flood, And when God saw the wickedness, God still made a way for mankind through Noah and his obedience for those, even for us today, to come to him. Then God gave the law. In Exodus there, you can see that God gave a law. Now, there was a law before that. We can see that. There were sacrifices made. There was this understanding of not working on the seventh day. Uh, There were certain laws in place. That's pretty obvious. But in Exodus, God gave the children of Israel his law. The law of Moses, we often talk about it. And no one has been able to keep that like they should. Now, Paul does say regarding the law, he said, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said he kept it. But I don't think he kept it in his heart, and he knew that because he went right on after that passage, right after that to say that, I can't go by my own righteousness. But the law showed that we are all guilty before God. And Jesus came along. And if you're thinking, well, we're not under the law anymore, so we're under grace, so I think I'm okay. Actually, Jesus came along and he ratcheted it up and took the law from an outward expression to an inward thing of the heart. And you can see that in a number of the things Jesus taught. But he didn't do that to make it harder to come to him. Jesus came to make a a way for us to have a relationship with God as sinful people. And he gave himself for us. We can see that God gave himself for our sins as a ransom. A ransom is something that you pay to uh, maybe redeem a slave or to get someone back that's been kidnapped or something i remember as a boy you don't hear as much about kidnapping kidnappings with a ransom in our country as they did maybe when i was a boy but people would sometimes kidnap someone's child and then they would say if you pay so much well you can have your child back and uh, that's what would happen and people would pay it well jesus talks about himself being a ransom for many He's also a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven. I'd like to turn to 
very familiar passage, John chapter 3. And we often think about, when we talk about salvation, John 3.16. So remember, uh, young people, old people, everyone here, we are all sinners. Whether we think we've done a lot of bad things or not, we are all sinners in the eyes of God. And then Jesus says to a man named Nicodemus, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1 to get... This story and this verse in its context here. John chapter 3, starting at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he was old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we are born in the flesh. We are born that way. But God wants us to be born again by the Holy Spirit, changing our spirit and our hearts. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and heareth the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's speaking there about being crucified on the cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. So Jesus came into this world because he loved the world so much that he was willing to be lifted up on a cross to suffer and to die like I said, for a ransom, to forgive us of our sins and to make us, give us a new heart, one that loves God. So what does it take to be saved? Maybe you wondered about this. Well, I'd kind of like to make a choice. I'd kind of like to be saved. I'd kind of like to, to know that I, what I'm doing. And I, I just want to go over a few things this morning. I could tell you this 
but I don't believe I would be telling you the right thing. And I, I want to make this very clear. And maybe this is what you did when you got saved, but um, maybe as parents, this might help you a little bit, or maybe even sharing the gospel with someone else. Sometimes people say, well, just ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you'll be saved. Well, Jesus is the one doing the inviting. It's not so much us. We need to submit our lives and our hearts to him. Actually, the only place in the scriptures where it talks about, that I know of, that it talks about Jesus coming in, like being invited in. And I like that picture of Jesus knocking on the door, but it's in Revelation chapter 3 when he's talking to the wicked church of Laodicea. And he says, if any man, I'm knocking, and if any man will open the door, will come in, Father and I, of this relationship and I think he's talking as much to the church there as he is to an individual. But I think as individuals, that's still, he says, if any man will open the door, we will come in. And so it's okay. The Spirit of God does come and indwell us. But I think there's, there's some things that I think are very important. When we actually look at the Bible and see what does it say when it says, what does it take to be saved? First of all, turn with me. To the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16 is a story about Paul and Silas and being arrested in the town of Philippi and being thrown in prison. And, and there in that prison, they decided to sing praises to the Lord. And God sent an earthquake to shake things up a little bit, as we might say, and, and he did. And the earthquake caused the, the doors of the prison to be opened, and people were loosed from their stocks and so forth, and, and the jailer, knowing that if these people got away, he would probably be executed. It was his responsibility to keep these people, these prisoners. And so he was going to take his own life, and starting at verse, um, I think I'll just start at verse 25. It says, suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, everyone's bands were loose, and the keeper of the prisoner, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now it's interesting, why did he go to them? I suppose he had heard them singing and praising God, maybe knew that they were imprisoned for worshiping a God and not worshiping the gods that the other people were. It wasn't really him probably that had condemned them, put them in prison. It was just his job to keep them there. And when he realized what all had happened, he asked this question in verse 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And then they had some time of sharing what that meant. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, to him, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? It says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. 
And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway, or that evening. They were told to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and they shall be saved, and his family as well, if they would believe, as they obviously did. And, and uh, I, think they got, I think he got saved because he took these prisoners, and he, he did one of the first things he could do. He washed up their wounds, and he was baptized. We go on to Romans chapter 10, one of those verses in the Romans road. We think about belief. What does it mean to believe? It's not just the idea of, yeah, I believe that Jesus was a man. Oh, I believe that he died on a cross. Oh, yeah, that's that kind of belief. In Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 8, it says, But what saith it? The word is nigh even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that this, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's a heart belief. It's believing on Jesus Christ with your heart. And believing that God raised him from the dead. And if you were raised in a Christian home, which I think everyone here this morning that's younger has been. You've heard of the resurrection all your life and you probably don't find that terribly difficult to believe. If you're sharing the gospel with someone who was not, especially in our postmodern age today, people probably say, I I can't quite accept that. Well, the Bible does say that to the Greek, it's the resurrection's foolishness, and to the Jew, it's a stumbling block. But to them that believe, it's salvation. And so this morning, as whoever you are here this morning, young or old, you must believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead after he died for our sins. And so we believe on him. And then, I think once we believe, there is a time for us for confession. I mean, I think we do that not only when we first become a Christian. Turn to 1 John. When we become a Christian, I think we want to confess sins that we know of in our lives. And again, you might say, well, I don't really know of a whole lot. Well, but in 1 John chapter 1... Starting at verse 8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we confess. Um... 
forgiveness is one of those things that for us as humans, we forgive someone, we don't just, sometimes we tell people, well, you've got to forgive and forget. Well, forgetting isn't quite as easy for us as we'd like for it to be. I do believe you never will forget if someone has wronged you, if you're not willing to um, forget first, you will remember it if you're hanging on to it that way. But for God, he can uh, remember our sins, at least it says, against us no more. They're in us. As far as the east is from the west, they're removed. And so if you're here this morning and you kind of feel ugly inside because you know there's some things, you just don't feel that cleanness and, and you really wish you could, God can forgive you your sins. If we confess our sins to him, if we believe in Jesus Christ with our whole heart, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And when we do that, it often brings about a sorrow in our heart for the things that we've done that are against God, the things that we've done that are wrong. And maybe you know there's some things, maybe there's some really ugly things in your heart that you've done you know that you need to ask forgiveness for and ask God. And you know what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The Bible talks about um, when some people were basically saying that Jesus was doing his work, the power of the devil. He said if you equate basically the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. That's a sin that can't be forgiven. We talk about the unpardonable sin. And uh, I would say I doubt there's any young people here this morning that have committed that and need to fret about that. It's something we definitely want to make sure we don't do. But outside of that, I don't know of any sin that God cannot forgive while someone is still alive if they meet the requirements, if they believe Lord Jesus Christ and that God raised him from the dead, they confess their sins, and we'll go to the next one of repentance. I don't see the, the sin that God says, well, I won't forgive that one. That one's just a little too great to forgive. The rest, I can think I can handle, but that one's just a little too ugly. That one's going to stay on your record. Um, that's not, that's not what Jesus says. Turn back to the book of Acts again, to Acts chapter 2, as they see what the Bible says about what it takes to be saved. And in this story here, this is after the Holy Spirit comes, and uh, people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're Peter is preaching the gospel and he says some things that pricks them in their hearts basically and I believe that the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts and says in verse 37 of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 verse 37, and when they heard this they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What does it mean to repent? 
You say, well, isn't just belief and confession? What's, what's this repentance? Well, repentance is changing your direction and going a different direction. Now, does that mean that you never get a little sidetracked in life and need to repent of something else? I believe that God is faithful in his Holy Spirit for every Christian, everyone that is born again, that when there are things in their lives that are not right, he will convict us of those things. And we have that opportunity to repent of those things. But there needs to be an initial repentance. When you come to Jesus Christ for your salvation and to make him the Lord of your life, you need to repent and choose to follow him. You might say, well, I, I was trying to do good. I was trying to do things that are good. I wasn't trying to be a bad person. No, but unless you are following Jesus Christ with a commitment that you have made, you're following yourself, and yourself, your flesh, is in opposition to God. And so we have to repent and follow him. And then the scripture says to be baptized. And I don't believe that baptism is the motive, or the means of salvation, but it is something that God requires of us if it is possible for us to be baptized. He wants us to do that, show that. We see that in this verse right here. And then I think it's a matter of committing your life to Christ as the Lord of your life, not just your Savior, not just the one who saves you, but the one who then directs your life And you might say, well, I kind of like to make my own choices. I kind of like to do my own thing. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But when we do this, God does come into our hearts and our lives through his Holy Spirit. And his Spirit is there to help us along the way. Now, if this morning, if you've not given your heart and your soul and your life to Jesus Christ, and you do it through the what we've talked about in the scriptures this morning, and you make that choice, you might say, well, the, will everything then be just perfect? And I no, ever, never again feel guilty, and no, that's not, that's not the way it works. But you are perfect in God's eyes at that point, as seen as righteous. Not perfect in necessarily your actions, but he sees you as a person that he is pleased with, that you have made that choice, and you are one of his. And as long as you continue to follow and serve him, you will be one of his, and you can spend eternity with him. I want to go through those, the verses in, in Romans again, and maybe you want to jot these down if you're here and you're wondering about some of these things. In Romans 3.23 is the first one, where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then we go over to chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to make a couple of comments on that verse. It says, the wages of sin is death. Wages are something you earn. If you go to work for someone, you like to earn wages. Maybe some of you that are too young to work, that's kind of neat if you help somebody out and they 
pay you a little something for it. You get some wages. You've earned it. But a gift is something you don't earn. So the wages of sin is death. We have all earned death. The scripture says that by one man, um, death passed, by one man, Adam, death passed upon all men. But it does say that all have sinned. So we have all earned death by our own sinning. However, a gift is something that is given to us that we don't earn. If we earn it, it's not a gift. The gift is something that is given to us freely. Now, I want to make one thing clear. Because it's a gift, and the Bible talks about it being a free gift, it's not a cheap gift. Something that is free, sometimes we think of might be cheap. It's not. There is nothing more valuable in all the world than this gift of salvation that God can give us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. The next verse I'd like for us to look at is in chapter 5. Verse 8. It says, But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So every one of us here this morning, I already said, we are all sinners before God. And before we had an opportunity to do anything about it, Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. Why? Because he loves us. God commended his love or gave his love toward us, and it's because of that great love that he chose to do that. And then let's go back to chapter 10 where we were a little bit ago. Chapter 10, and I'll look at verse 9 and read verse 13. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One of the reasons that we ask our young people when they're baptized here, become a member to share their testimony, says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth... If we're ashamed to confess God with our mouth, the Bible says if we are ashamed of him, he will be ashamed of us. And we do not want Jesus Christ to be ashamed of us. When we become a Christian, when we choose to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then Jesus also becomes what the Bible says is an advocate. Maybe we can think about it's kind of like an attorney, a lawyer that argues our case in a sense before God the Father. He says, this person is one of mine. And throughout our lives, he is there uh, interceding for us or the go-between in a sense between us and God the Father because he cares and he loves us. Now, this morning or any time, you have to make a choice. I can't make a choice for anyone uh, your parents can't make a choice for you as much as they maybe would like to. Your grandparents can't make a choice for you. And I know a number of you young people have made that choice. But you have to make that choice. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. 
We only get one time. We only get one life to make that choice. We don't get another life. We don't live this life and then we die and, ooh, I don't like how this turned out very well. I think I'll go back and next time I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm, I'm going to choose the right thing next time. No, it's too late then. And I'm not saying that just to scare anyone, but it's a reality. We have a choice, and our choice now determines whether or not we spend eternity, and eternity is a long, long time. It's not even time. It's just long. Okay? It's forever. We're either going to spend that in heaven or we're going to spend it in hell, one of the two. But, you know, the blessings of being a Christian start now, not just, not just when we die. It starts now. And, you know, um, I could give some of you, and I'm sure there are many that I can't give you names of. I can give you, I could give you a list of names for you young people, older ones as well, that's set in the very pews you're sitting in this morning that chose not to follow Jesus Christ. And unless some miracle happened in the last moment that we don't know about, those people are in hell today because they chose not to. Now, there are many, many others that are sitting, that sat in the pews that you're sitting in that have died and are spending eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ because they made a choice in this life. Some people choose not to follow Jesus because, well, it looks like such a hard life. I'd rather, I think I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm going to live my own life. And I could also show you lives of some of those people. Now, there may be people who have had a relatively good life that haven't chosen to follow Jesus. I could show you a number of people that thought they were going to have a good life doing their own thing. And I had a life of misery. It doesn't work out quite like they think. The wages of sin are death. And it starts in this life often. So if you choose to become a follower of Jesus Christ with your whole heart, there are some things that God will give you. And one of those things is a peace that you don't have until you make that choice. Sometimes I remember this as a boy, you... Maybe go to bed at night or you're thinking about it and it just it bugs you. What? Oh, man, what if, what if I would die? What if something would happen? And, you know, and this thing's bothering you. It's, it's the Holy Spirit working in your life. And until you make that decision to follow Jesus, you're not going to have the peace that you will after you make that. So God brings peace and joy. There's a joy. No, not maybe always being happy, but a joy. He brings a spirit into our lives, and the spirit produces fruit, that love, joy, peace, and those kind of fruit. And you know, we at that point, if you make that choice to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with a loving God that you cannot have otherwise. Otherwise, you are under his condemnation. That he wants to have that relationship with each one of us. And it's a wonderful life of joy and peace. Not all happiness, not all bliss. Life isn't just a bed of roses. It's a whole lot better than serving Satan. 
and serving yourself. And you can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Some of you have maybe have made that choice. I don't know about it. That's okay. Um, some of you maybe want to make that choice and do that with your parents, and that's okay too. But I encourage you to do it, not just by yourself. That's easy to do, but sometimes it's important to let somebody know. And pray with you and, and make sure and help you to, to just know that you've made that choice. And so after the service this morning, uh, I'm not going to go to the back. I'll be up here for a little bit. If there's someone here that maybe wants to talk to someone or wants to make that choice and you want to do it here, someone, I'll be available. It doesn't have to be with me. It can be with someone else as well.